My name's Tim, I'm an, I'm an addict. Hi, Tim. Um, thank you for inviting me here today, Mark. Um, I qualify for DAA. My home group is in a different fellowship. You need to know that now. If you don't like that, you can blame Mark. <laughs> I'm just doing what I told, which was come here and tell my story. Um, and also Mark suggested that I mention something about sponsorship. So I'm going to mention something about sponsorship. Um, all I have to do today, I don't have to run my life. If I feel stressed, it's because I'm running my life. I don't need to run my life. I want someone else to run my life. That's my higher power. Um, some kind of universal consciousness which expresses itself through the group conscience, through my own conscience. And all I have to do is act on that delegated authority and get on with what's in front of me. A um, friend of mine in AA used to say, uh, I used to be isolated, now I'm insulated. I used to be stressed, now I'm blessed. <laughs> Um, just before I was going to speak, I, I opened my little big book here, and uh, there are some notes that I wrote a few years ago when I was in a meeting where the bloke I've just quoted was yakking on, as usual, and I wrote down some of the notes. Uh, maybe the me from five or six years ago knew that I was going to need those notes today, which is why I wrote them down then. <laughs> I read those notes and I needed to read them uh, because I'm not fixed. As soon as I think I'm fixed, I'm in trouble. So I put myself in charge again. I think I know. I think I know anything. Um, uh, my, my clean date is uh, 24th of July 1993. Um, I started using, when I was young, uh, my experience of being out there was that my, I was violent towards myself, sometimes towards others, mostly towards inanimate objects that couldn't argue back. <laughs> <coughs> it's more dramatic as well. You just, 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 just destroy something. And then people will know, oh, he must be really unhappy to be doing that. I'll look up pitifully at them. Um, I first started trying to kick it when I was 18. And I could for a while. But I'd always start again. My addiction is very simple. Um, <laughs> a friend of mine says that uh, a casual observer would conclude that he doesn't have his best interests at heart. <laughs> and anyone watching me when I'm at it would conclude I do not have my best interests at heart. I do it anyway. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is addiction. Very simple. Sometimes people make a great deal out of step one. I don't think it's necessary. I wrote, my history says I shouldn't do it, but I'm going to do it. There you go. 
Um, uh, and I got to a point in 1993 when uh, I I'd had some contact with recovery. I'd been to a bunch of meetings, um, and it was all very complicated. And I was trying to grasp all of it at once. But that didn't work. I kept finding myself drunk and arrested and stuff. Um, so I decided I just want one thing and one thing only. I have one requirement for my membership, which is a desire to stay sober and clean. And that's, I'm not going to ask anything else. If you can deliver me that, I'm fine. Good. Then we're in business. Um, and I didn't realize how dangerous the position was that I was in, relapsing as I was. Well, I wasn't relapsing because I had never recovered. To relapse, you've got to recover. I was simply resuming drinking after a little break to make myself <laughs> feel a little less guilty because look how hard I'm trying and yet I, you know. <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't be mean about my past self because I, I didn't know what I was doing. It's a very bad habit I've picked up, and I, you hear lots of tapes from, God bless him, in America, where they're very hard on their past selves. I'm thinking, if I'm a newcomer listening to that, well, that's what you think about me then. So I've, 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 I've got to be tolerant of my past self. I didn't know any better. If I'd known better, I would have done better. Or I didn't have the strength, and if I had the strength, I would have done better, but I didn't which meant I didn't have the wit or I didn't have the wherewithal. So I've, I've got to have compassion for myself as I was, um, or I'm not going to have compassion for other people. They'll pick up on that. You wonder why newcomers aren't coming back. Well, that's, that's a reason sometimes. Um, but I was in incredible danger and had no idea and that danger is exemplified by a friend of mine who uh, started using in, again, 1995. And he came back in 2017 and has been struggling for the last two years and has gone out again. He can't, and he had very, very solid recovery for a couple of years. But for the last 24 years, he hasn't been able to get back and it's not for want of trying and it's not because other people haven't made the effort so if you're here today and you finally stop shaking uh, you never need to go out again um, if you do what I did which is find a sponsor and just do exactly what I was told I've never come to grief by doing exactly what I was told by a well-meaning sponsor. Even if I wouldn't now give tuppence for half of what I was told, I, I never came to grief because of it. Uh, in step nine, I've had to make a lot of amends. Uh, every single amend I've ever made was because of something I decided to do all by myself. <laughs> I've never had to make amends for something I've done under the instruction of a well-meaning sponsor. Um, 
so I, I was so clean when I was 21 and life expectancy, you know, maybe if you're lucky, you'll live to 70 or 80. I've got to make sure that whatever I'm doing is going to work, not just for a few months until I get my life back, but, but is going to last forever, last for as long as I'm on this plane. Um, if you are as involved in recovery as I am, I'm very involved. I've got two home groups, um, national delegate in the fellow fellowship I'm in. I'm on national subcommittee for armed services liaison. I'm on a region committee, um, a sponsor, a shed load of people. I talk to a lot of people in recovery every day. When you're very involved, you see a lot happening and you hear a lot of stories. And there is no guarantee that I'm going to stay sober and clean forever simply because I've been blessed with sobriety and clean time for this length of time. There's no guarantee. So I've got to take as my model, okay, who's managed to stay sober and clean for 30 years, for 40 years, for 50 years, for 60 years? Let's copy what they're doing. <laughs> this obviously worked for them. Um, uh, Someone I know says that recovery is about monkey see, monkey do. You've got to pick the right monkey. <laughs> <laughs> so so my, my sponsor's been uh, sober for six weeks more than me. <laughs> so I trust him. Um, his sponsor is sober 40 odd years. His sponsor is sober less time, 35 years. His sponsor is sober around 57, 58 years. Um, his sponsor, a chap called Gary, died with over 60 years. Gary's sponsor uh, uh, was the first AA in Chicago who was carried the message by Dr. Bob, who's one of the co-founders of AA. So that's good enough for me. <laughs> good enough even for me. <laughs> I want to make sure I'm in good hands and I want to make sure I'm connected and the way I stay connected, I stay connected with a lot of uh, people who are in my home group on the same path, I stay connected with people who are further ahead. I stay connected with people with no fear in their eyes around stuff which still makes me jumpy. I need people who have what I want. I need people who are where I want to be spiritually. I need those people in my life. And my experience is if you ask your higher power, they'll show up and not in the form that you really want. <laughs> or even, it's not going to be convenient. My sponsor's in, in Texas. It's inconvenient, but it's necessary for me. I don't know what's necessary for you. That's necessary for me. And I'm willing to go to any lengths because I don't want to die of this condition. So my only requirement is that uh, I stay sober and do what is necessary to stay sober. But the funny thing is, doing what is necessary just to stay sober and clean gives me everything else. Um, um, I had 
what I maybe hesitate to call relationships, but I had relationships when I was out there which had, frankly, a touch of Jeremy Kyle to them. <laughs> no one was coming to me for relationship advice. Um, but, you know, I've been with someone for 15 years and we're married and, and we've never had an argument. Uh, because my only requirement, I don't have any requirements in this relationship. I don't have any demands. So I'm all right, whatever they do, I'm all right. So it's fine, there are moments, but basically whatever they do is fine. Whatever they wanna to bring to the relationship is fine. Whatever they wanna do in their free time is fine. Just leave them. <laughs> Friend of mine writes to his, his sponsor, complaining about his other half, and the sponsor writes, he just writes him an email, just with a subject line in capitals, leave him alone. <laughs> just leave him be, leave him get on, whatever they want to do, forgive them, do stuff for them. Now, I've got this relationship, not because I looked for one. I wasn't looking for one. Well, I was given one. So I was keeping my nose clean in my home group, <laughs> sticking to what was important, service and recovery and fellowship. I've got a career. I suppose it's a career. So I think that's what they call it. There's, I do some stuff and they give me money for it. I, th I, think, that, I think that's a career. But I have... N I've, I, one, you shouldn't say this in modern society. I have no ambition in it. I just show up and... and do what's in front of me and try and do it well and they seem to give me money for it uh, my job is to make them look good and I try and do that just doing stuff for fun and for free expecting nothing in return and then everything gets given is my experience of how recovery works <coughs> um, I've got the ability and this hasn't been quick, but I've got the ability to turn the phone off, turn the TV off, turn the radio off, <laughs> turn the internet off, sit on a cushion and be at complete peace. And I don't need anything to take the edge off. Now this is not because I'm good or clever or know anything. It's because I turn up at my home group every week <laughs> and look out for who isn't talking to anyone. Go and talk to them. Make sure that there's no one left on their own. I've got 30. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> I look up... People say... My sponsor says to me, you look after God's business and God, God will look after your business. I think God's business is my, at my home group is to make sure that no one is left out in the cold. And I don't know what your using was like, but, but I didn't have much of a social life <laughs> when I came in here. I, I, first night I went to a meeting, <laughs> um, I went through my phone book 
to find someone to tell that I'd been to a meeting, but there was no one who I could legitimately call without getting an earful, except this girl I knew from college from I hadn't seen for like three years who I barely knew. <laughs> so I called her and told her I'd been to a meeting. Because there was no one else. So thank God, and my, my home groups are on a, a Friday and a Saturday. Thank God we go out for dinner afterwards at places which don't mind if you don't eat or even bring a little packed lunch um, or just have a glass of water. Because not everyone can afford to eat out. Fine, sometimes we buy people dinner occasionally. If they look hungry enough. <laughs> but they got to look hungry. Um, as I want to make sure that people have somewhere to be. Um, and if I'm in town, I go whether I want to or not. Um, uh, a very long time ago, uh, so I was sponsored by a chap called Doug when I was very new, who um, was around 10 years sober at the time. But there were some other old timers who um, said some wonderful and very helpful things. And Maureen was a Wimbledon housewife with whom I had nothing in common other than, as she told me, I was a commoner garden alcoholic. Um, I'm a lot of other things too, but I'm that as well. And she said, you need to go to two or three meetings a week. And she wasn't my sponsor, but I treated her as having the authority of a sponsor. And it's not my, just my sponsor that has that authority. A few people have got that authority because they're not emotionally involved in my situation, so their perspective on my situation is much more likely to be accurate than mine. And she told me to go to two or three meetings a week, never less than two. And she has never... I'm still in contact with her. She's never phoned me up to tell me that the instruction has been withdrawn. So I still go to two or three meetings a week. If she ever tells me that that was wrong, I'll tell you, I'll, through Mark, I'll make sure you, you all get to hear of it. <laughs> so I'm still following an instruction the Wimbledon housewife gave me in 1993, and nothing bad has ever happened to me because I've followed that instruction. <laughs> um, and it, this all may make me sound like a bit of a dummy just following someone else's instructions. If that's the case, so be it. Um, yeah, we have to be a grown-up. As, as you say, you're quite right. I have to be a, a grown-up. I have to uh, forgive everyone for everything because it's getting in the way of my usefulness to you if I'm wandering around with a cloud over my head. I've had to make amends to everyone um, through whose lives I rage like a tornado or actually in most cases a, a nuisance but nonetheless <laughs> it's very grand to think of yourself as a tornado not so grand to think of yourself as a nuisance or a pest. <laughs> Some people I made amends to, oh, I've harmed you. Oh, they said, you, 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 
you have some nerve to think you could harm your behavior could harm me what how <laughs> what kind of a snowflake do you think i am <laughs> seriously but some people i really harmed and being a grown up means that i have to make amends which means sometimes an apology sometimes i pay back the money ps i paid back all the money with interest um and uh i woke up by doing those two things um uh when i really got to the stage there was no one else in the world left i had a grudge against i realized that i thought the world had it in for me it was me who had it in for me every time i was attacking you i felt the full force of the attack and thought it was you oh, how dumb can you get <laughs> um but completing the amends i thought oh what they were saying is right there was never anything wrong with me in the first place so i was using drink and drugs and a handful of other neat behaviors for which there is a 12 step fellowship available fyi whatever you're doing that's killing you there are people who've recovered from that i was trying to fix something and wasn't even broken in the first place um all of that brokenness i felt was coming from my mental attack of the world around me and guilt legitimate guilt for things i'd done and mess that i'd created and i was taking those two things personally i thought they said something about me they didn't they were signposts for what i needed to do which was to forgive and to make amends and when you've no longer got anything to prove well it frees up the whole afternoon <laughs> what do you do go and help everyone else help everyone else do what find their own higher power well there's only one higher power and we say you know my higher power like god's in my pocket or something um he's not mine i'm his or hers whatever i use the word god and his just out of shorthand so don't get your knickers in a twist about that um any conception i have of of god uh, is is untrue because I'm very small and the universe is very big. Of course I don't understand it. Any idea I have of a higher power is going to be a mile away from the reality. Imagine what a 2-year-old's image is of what its parent is and then the difference between what you thought your parent was when you were 2 and what you you know them to be now. It's a there's no there's no comparison and that and that's just within human terms so the idea that i can get an idea of what my higher power is uh but the higher power isn't mine i i i'm there um to do whatever god wants me to do here and with sponsorship i want to say some specific things about sponsorship who do i sponsor anyone who asks me provided that i don't believe sincerely that your interests in asking me are maybe better served if someone else would do the job so i sponsor a lot of people when i get a newcomer asking me today and i've got people in my home group who are a year two years three years sober with just one sponsor maybe that's the best person for someone to go to because they're going to need their hand held maybe for an hour a day maybe for an hour and a half a day for a few months go and ask someone that has 
only one sponsee, that might be the best thing. So I do turn people away, but I don't turn people away. I redirect and make sure they're given a whole load of people. I put them actively in contact with a whole load of people. Um, if I believe I'm the right person, my job is to pass on to them what was passed on to me and to give what Dr. Bob called an adequate presentation of the program. And the reason why I do all this, why I'll, I, I'll do it, it's in Dr. Bob's nightmare. It says, first reason I do it is a sense of duty. Um, I think I, I have a moral obligation to carry the message to other people um, who want the message because if people hadn't been there to carry it to me, I wouldn't, you, as they say, sometimes you'd have another speaker today. So I've got, I've got a duty to do it. No one else is, you know, if we don't do it, who will? Um, it's a pleasure. And my experience of sponsorship, when it's not a pleasure, I'm doing something wrong. They're not annoying. I'm telling myself some story about them and it's the story that's annoying me. <laughs> There's no such thing as a difficult or irritating sponsee. The thing that I'm finding difficult is my reaction to them and this, it's in the 12 and 12. If I'm disturbed, there is something wrong with me, not something wrong with you. The, the nurse would never say to the patient, there's something, you know, you shouldn't be having this symptom. We're, we're not, I wasn't very well when I got here. I have days when I'm not very well now. I need to extend that grace that a nurse would extend to a patient. Uh, if it's not a pleasure, I'm doing something wrong. If it's hard work, um, my sponsor's first sponsor was, was a chap called Jim who got sober in 1957 and is still sober today. And he says, if it feels like high, if 12-step work feels like hard work, you're trying to do it yourself. You're not letting a higher power act through you. And uh, when it's heavy going, when you're not getting through to them, that's when I need to step back in, inside myself, stand back, let my higher power say something. And the prayer is to my higher power, let me tell a story. There must be some story that I can tell that is going to grab this person and reach them. I don't know what the story is, but you show me. Um, in doing so, I'm paying my debt to the man who took time to pass it on to me. And that's, that's pretty self-evident. Um, uh, with amends, a lot of the people I had to go back to were people I'd harmed. Sometimes I just, out of social convention, I owed an apology and we weren't going to be even unless I paid them back by making the apology, clearing the air. Uh, but some people I owed a debt of gratitude. And the way I pay my debt of gratitude to all the people who politely and courteously, I think politeness and courtesy are very important in sponsorship, um, I agree with what Andy said. You, you, you've, got to, you've got to tell them the truth. My friend Louise says, they're going to die anyway, so you might as well tell them the truth. Then you've got to sit with them long enough for them to digest it, so they're not digesting it on their own. <laughs> and that's going to require patience because you're going to get fireworks. Um, so people patiently and considerately sat with me and the way I pay that back is to try to patiently and I'm, it's taking a long time for me to learn patience and consideration and tolerance and courtesy with sponsees. 
So my, uh, my time's valuable like that, it isn't. Um, to listen to people, I'm <laughs> it's really hard. I'm learning not to interrupt people unless it's really necessary. Um, and also because every time I do it, I take out a little more insurance for myself against a possible slip. Um, a friend of mine, he's not a sponsor, but again, he's one of these people I give spiritual license to, says, if I'm more useful to people sober than drunk, I believe my higher power will keep me sober and clean. So I've got to keep myself useful. I've got to keep myself out there. And that's my insurance. And whatever positive feeling I got out of being out there, drinking, using, doing a bunch of outside issues, um, is nothing compared to the feeling I get when you see someone go, oh, ah, and they, something finally lights up and they understand that they're an addict or they understand that the, it wasn't them, it was me. Just those little light bulb moments, just being there for those. Um, being at a meeting where you see a sponsee of yours and their sponsee and the, spon the grand sponsee sharing about the gratitude that the person you helped has helped them. Um, when I'm at my home group on a Saturday night, I'm sitting in a restaurant afterwards and there are 40, 45 people there and thinking, I can dissolve myself into this and I don't need to, to be a character. I, don't, I can be anonymous here. And that's the important thing. You don't, want, you don't want to become anyone in recovery. To just dissolve myself into the whole. And uh, that's the solution for me. And it works. Thanks for listening. <laughs>